Welcome to this brand new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Mark van Horek and myself, Elias Krum, and brought to you by Marketing Guys, the MarTech agency based out of the Netherlands. Welcome to this new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast, in which today we're going to talk with Kevin, Kevin Urushia. Um, he is the founder of Voy Media based out of uh, New York, Brooklyn, Brooklyn to be specific. Um, and I'm looking forward to discuss um, some startup marketing stuff with uh, with Kevin. So uh, welcome, Kevin, to the Marketing Technology Podcast. Hey, Elias, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here and sort of talk to you about sort of how we can, how digital marketing for startups can sort of uh, help, you, help your brand and sort of help your product. Absolutely. So and and so so am I, because, you know, as a startup and we've all been there, you've been there, I've been there. Um, it's kind of, of hard to, let's say, find out where to put your marketing dollar. So uh, it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting uh, discussion here. But first of all, um, just give the audience a little introduction about yourself, please. Yeah. So my name is Kevin Urutia. So like like you mentioned, Elias, I'm based out of here in Brooklyn. I went to school for computer science. So my background is in programming. I then lived in Silicon Valley for four years. I worked at mint.com and then I went to work for another startup. Um, and when I was working here, I was kind of doing more programming. So I was more on the product side, uh, product development. And then I eventually started my own uh, sort of home cleaning service called Mate Sailors, where we did a lot of like uh, cleanings for local areas in, in New York City. And then I started my own e-commerce company. Um, and then I started another one. And then eventually I started Voy Media. And that's kind of how now I'm doing a lot of marketing is because through my experience of obviously trying to make my own thing, I realized I got to learn marketing in order to sort of make my own products and or sell my own services. And then Voy Media is here to sort of help other startups or other uh, e-commerce or digital companies sort of uh, really f- figure out how to, how can they become profitable online. Cool. So, and you're specializing in e-commerce, right? Yep. So we do a lot of e-commerce and a lot of, a lot of digital products as well. Nice. That's a, that's a, a, an inter- interesting area to, uh, to be specialized in because um, we all, you know, all these small business owners, especially the e-commerce ones, want to be Amazon in the near future, right? So we, we all want to grow. Uh, we all need to find out where to put that marketing dollar. How do we invest that wisely? So, um, well, first, first of all, why did you choose to specialize in e-commerce, Kevin? Yeah, so e-commerce is, at least for me at that time, I was working on the cleaning company. That's like a service-based business. So one of the hardest things for growth in that company was that if we want to grow, we need to hire more people. And Mm -hmm. that means more training. That means more staff. So growth is always kind of linearly, right? Where it's like we can only grow at a certain rate because we can't have too many maids because then we don't have enough jobs. And if we have enough too many jobs, we can hire enough people, which is humans. And humans, you you don't hire them as quick, right? You can't produce them as quick as uh, e-commerce, for example. And that's kind of why I was looking into e-commerce. I was like, hey, I want to grow fast. And e-commerce for me made sense because you can have a widget and then you can duplicate it a few times easier every time. And it's perfect every time. Whereas service-based, you know, person A and person B, they can have the same skill set, but humans are irrational. So you can't replicate humans uh, mm-hmm. to be like the perfect person, right? Every time for the jobs. So uh, with a widget, you can sort of at least control a lot of the process, right? And that's kind of where that mentality came from for me was I want to scale 
how can I scale and what sort of thing out there allows me to do that and learn. And that was e-commerce. And that's when I started my first e-commerce company. Um, and then eventually I started doing another e-commerce company, which is a luggage company. And then that's sort of like how I really got into e-commerce. And at least for me, I've been to China three or four times to look at my factories, Taiwan, um, and just to look at stuff too as well there in Taiwan as well. So cool. So you, you actually learned by doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And most of the time I tell like, you probably knew a lot, Elias, it's like, I learned by doing because it's like the best way to just like see all the issues and learn all the issues and sort of figure out like what's going to work or not work versus like reading it's fun and all. But once you're in it, it's like, oh, okay, like I can see what problems are going to happen. And then once you sort of run into that mistake once, it's like muscle memory. You're like, okay, I did that before. Like, let me not do that again. <laughs> so so what, what are some of the key struggles that you had and that you would like to share on that journey that you encountered on that journey while let's say building that that company that you know maybe some of the listeners can be prevented from making those those mistakes yeah i think so early on at least for me i never really thought about marketing as something that i needed to think about before building a product or a company i was really in the mindset of okay i want to build this cool thing let me just go build it and then learn how to market it and that's kind of like how I see a lot of people do it right now is they want to build something cool. And then they're like, okay, now let me go figure out a marketing agency or let me go figure out how to market it. And then that's really kind of where I see the issue is and that I made. So now what I always tell people and sort of what I do is I always look at marketing first and see, is there product demand? Do people actually want this product or are people feeling some pain or frustration that they're looking for a new service to switch? And then once you sort of write, that, I tell people, write this down to like a notepad in like a Google doc and figure out like what the alternatives are for like the solution or product trying to build. And, and for me before I used to think like, Oh, if there's competition, it's bad. It's going to be so hard. But for me now, the way I think about it is if there's competition, that means there's a demand for it. So that means, you know, people are looking for their service and now you can sort of research other companies or products and see what they're doing. That's great. And also what they're doing. That's bad. Um, so I think sometimes people, uh, don't want to do, don't want to like call other companies or, you know, buy other products. Let's say for like, for me, we sell like a luggage company, we would buy other luggages and that's just product market research, right? You just pay a hundred, 200 bucks per luggage and see what's good, how, how it came shipped. And then you learn um, a lot of great learnings from just buying other people's products. And that's sort of, at least for me, one of the biggest things that I've learned is, you know, go through people's funnels, go through people's emails on online with Shopify. You can buy people's products and see what emails are sending or not sending. And then you can correct those or at least maybe use the inspiration for your products as well. So at least for me, the biggest thing is, um, I would say is do the research and see, okay, yep, there's a demand for this. Let me go ahead and build my product versus before I used to just build something and then hopefully there was a demand for it. So, so let's assume we have listeners that have gone through that journey. They started their e-commerce website um, in a market that actually has demand, uh, demand for a product and has competition. Um, now they should start to distinguish themselves from competition. So where do they start that marketing journey? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing to sort of start that marketing journey is going to be in your sort of like homepage or your product pages where you can really describe to people why you're different. Um, and the reason why I tell people this too is a lot of people are different. Like let's say you're selling like a, a, some sort of widget and there's another widget out there, it's the same thing, but you have a unique way of, of why you made it or what you believe 
of why you're different. And a lot of people, a lot of people hide this information. When I say hide, they don't do it on purpose. They put it into their about page because that's kind of where people mostly put like, Hey, this is why I started the company. And that's great. But a lot of people, when you're driving traffic, let's say cold traffic or, you know, prospecting traffic from a source like Facebook or Google, most people are probably going to go to your homepage or your product page. They're not going to, people think that people are going to browse around the whole website and click on every single link and be like, oh yeah, let me go read this about story. So this is where I say it's hidden. So I think most people need to think about why they're different and put this information in the two pages that are going to get the most views, your homepage or even in that product page. And the mistake I see a lot of people make is they, they, they want to model their websites on like these massive companies such as Nike, Adidas that have billion dollar market caps and their product pages are like two sentences long. And then small startups are like, oh, I want my website to be clean. I'm only going to have two sentences as well. But you're not, I tell people like, you're not Adidas, you're not Nike. You can't, you don't have this brand equity uh, that's been built for hundreds of years. You need to explain to people why you built this company, why your products are different and why uh, they should buy from you with guarantees, you know, uh, sales, for example, or even just a great price point. Uh, And then even talking about your competitors is helpful too, because they, hey, look, you probably want to try us because maybe you've tried competitor B and they do this that we don't do, or they believe in this and we're all organic or something like that. And that's sort of where I would, I would, I would sort of tell people to get started that way is that true story. Uh, make sure people see it because a lot of times people, uh, like I said, hide it in like places where no one's going to look and it's important to show people. Okay. So what you're referring to is one of the strategies from, um, I would say the, the generic strategies that Porter already introduced years ago. So you either that, that, that has four quadrants um, with the differentiation, differentiation focus and, and cost leadership and cost focus. So you're either focusing on being the cheapest or focusing on being different. That's basically the two different <coughs> strategies you can have from that, 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 let's say, generic strategies model from Porter. And you're pointing out that you have to be different because, um, and I would agree there, it's very hard to to be the cheapest online, right? Because Amazon is always going to be cheaper when you're when you're reselling anything that is also available on on Amazon. So you have to be different, and differentiation can be in your story. Um, people always assume that it also needs to be in your product, but your product on itself is just one of the four P's, right? In your marketing mix, or a multiple P's, or maybe you, you have more P's than than the four traditional ones. But um, you you can be different in all kinds of piece in the marketing mix right so um what 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 let's say your 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 story is a, is a different one so maybe promotion is 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 the p from promotion could be could be different or you could have like a different um kind of distribution of your of your product um could you give some examples of web shops that you might have helped or maybe you are familiar with that that have a differentiation strategy that really works yeah, so I guess a good example would probably be um, my the website that we made for Montum, which is like my outdoor gear company. So the way we differentiated ourselves from there was we competed against competitors such as Black Diamond and Lucky, right? So two big players in this sort of hiking space. And the way we came at it was was with a small business owner sort of differentiation, saying, "Hey, look, we're a small business based out of New York City." We're a team of three and we're making this trekking pole, which is essentially like a walking stick with like a cork grip and a tungsten tip, right? Nothing too crazy. 
Um, but the way we differentiate ourselves was saying, hey, look, we created this product because we're hikers ourselves and we go hiking and we go and we did this as a way to, uh, you know, share the experience with other people that are hikers like us and in order to make <coughs> the product better. And then we we compare we compared it to those big competitors like Black Diamond and Lecky. We're saying, hey, look, these are big mega corporations uh, that they're even the people that design these products aren't even hikers like us. So this is why you should buy from us. And that story really helped us get into New York Times, The Wirecutter, uh, Backpacker magazine, and we were even like the in 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 some of the retail stores with just that story because we were kind of like the David versus Goliath story, right? The little guys versus the big guys. Yeah. Really, the story really helped us, even though uh, our product was very similar to the big players and the price point was very similar. But this little na- this narrative that we have that we sort of came up with, um, and it's true, uh, worked really well for us. And I tell people all the time, uh, th- like these sort of narratives or sort of like storytelling is really helpful for, for brands. And for example, Netflix, right? Everybody knows Netflix is a massive company. And the founder's story is he didn't want to return. He, he was charged a late fee, right? And then he that's why he started Netflix. I think everybody's heard that story. You probably heard that one, right? Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. actually like not a real story. He made that up. The real oh, founder. Really? Yeah, yeah. But you see how that story makes sense to you? You're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Reed, Reed Hastings, who's the CEO and founder, he was a venture capitalist that, in, that invested into Netflix and then bought out the previous founder that actually started the company because he was friends with Reed. And they started the company in a car just discussing ideas that they wanted to make. And that's how Netflix was started. But the story of, hey, I had a late fee and I didn't like it is more, Luke, it's, it's, it's much better than that, hey, we're in a car, let's think of an idea, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what you were saying earlier, you know, that, that story about you know, the, the press really loves those underdog stories. They, they, they love to, to, um, to talk about it, to, to put that in print, et cetera. Um, but um, on the other hand, when you're a small e-commerce website owner, you need to, let's say, let's say spread that word of your story, right? So when, when you have that differentiation story, the, the story that you're different, you have your brand story, um, let's say the New York Times doesn't pick it up. What other ways of uh, communicating uh, do you see for uh, e-commerce owners there? Yeah, I mean the other the other way I see work really well for e-commerce is, at least for me, it's um, really it depends on sort of like how you want to think about your brand. There's a lot of brands out there right now that are kind of very founder driven, or other ones you've probably seen in the last year just kind of like brand driven, right? So there's a lot of founder driven brands. You know, for example, um, like Nathan Barry, he runs ConvertKit. It's kind of like his brand of like this email marketing tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's other brands. They're kind of like, you know, like Dr. Squatch is an e-commerce company. It's very built on their brand of like this, this thing they've made up. So I think like if you want to sort of get your story out there, one thing is always going to be through uh, advertising. I've seen, that, but this is interesting because if you don't have money, right, then it's hard to spend like a thousand, two thousand dollars on Facebook, which is not that much money, but um, you can use that as a way to generate top of the funnel traffic. But if you're looking for, at least for us, when we were starting our cleaning company, um, we didn't have any money and we didn't have anything on advertising. So what we did was we were we were sort of like going to the platforms where we know, at least for e-commerce founders, maybe a little bit different, but for other businesses, it might make more sense. At least for us, we had Craigslist here, which is kind of like a, 
a job posting, not a yep. job posting board, yep. but like a Craigslist, right? So we would post on there saying, hey, uh, we're made sellers. We're a new local cleaning company. Uh, we have this pricing. So for us, going back to where you said before, we were there was no story from made sellers. We were just, hey, look, we're cheaper, right? So that's yeah. that it's was cost, like... It's a cost yeah. posting uh, strategy. Yeah, we were just using the cost strategy. So we would go on these job boards saying, hey, look, we're cheaper and we provide better customer service. And if you have a if you have bad cleaning, we'll come and clean for free. So that was like our our value prop. <laughs> and we had no money. So we would just go to Craigslist and like every single day, repost a, a listing for free and get one or two bookings. And we would also do it on like Google+. Plus, And we also do like Yelp, all the kind of like review platforms. So we would go on there and just tell people like, do that. And then we would also join local community boards, such as like, there's a place in Brooklyn, right? That's called like Brooklyn moms forums, where moms would talk about things that they do. And every once in a while, someone would ask like, Hey, is there a home cleaning service that you recommend? We would interject ourselves into this conversation, say, Hey, by the way, look, this is our company. We have a thing. Maybe you're interested in doing it, right? You make it in a nice organic way. Um, so that's, it's like, when I tell founders about this, it's like, you need to figure out like, kind of what we said before, it's like where, if people are asking this product, there's definitely customers talking about it. So how can you uh, put yourself into the conversation? And if you have, if you don't have money, it's going to be through raw, like outreach and signing up for these platforms. But if you have paid, um, if you have money, like $5,000, $10,000, then you could do something like a Facebook ad where you drive them to like a homepage or like a landing page that sort of tells people their value prop and sort of why you're different with your story. If you can uh, sort of like have it written down as well there. So what's, in, uh, when you're looking at uh, those specific channels, Facebook advertising, and maybe people are also considering Google ads, mm-hmm. in what cases do you recommend users to use Facebook ads? And, and in what cases should they start using Google ads? Yeah, so I would say in Google ads in a super, super established market, let's say like Knives, it's going to be so expensive just because you have the big, big cutlery brands bidding up the keywords. And, and this is why Google ads is sometimes t- tough as a channel to sort of crack because you're going to be spending, spending so much money. Um, it's almost going to be like five to six hours a click. And let's say you have like a hundred clicks. That's what, like 500 bucks and maybe one converts and your knives cost 50 bucks. You're gonna, not, not going to be profitable, right? That's so, not going to work. Yeah, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Um, so in these sort of like established brands, established markets, um, I would say Facebook is great. But the thing is now, again, for Facebook, what's going to win for you and for people listening is going to be like having a great creative or like a great image ad or video ad that sort of shows how your knife's a little bit different. And that's the, that's why Facebook is interesting because um, going back to sort of like the knife example, like you can show your knife cutting like a coconut where traditional knives don't cut coconuts. If it does this, right. For example, saying, Hey, look, Uh we're so sharp that we can do this. And it's sort of like this eye catching experience that people are like, Oh wow, that knife is super sharp. Maybe I need it. Whereas Google ads, you know, it's just like the, the text image ad where the text of that, Hey, look, we're so sharp and you can't really show the experience. So I, I still think Google ads is a great platform, but it's, if you're in a super mature market, the cost per click is just so high. It's almost like impossible to make money unless you're using it purely as like rebranding, uh, retargeting, or even like um, as a, as a let's say, for example, like, you know, Elias, like let's say you have a great customer lifetime value and you know that you can afford to lose money on each sale because you're going to sell them more stuff later on. So you mm-hmm. can say, hey, yep, this is going to be a great uh, channel for just getting 
tons and tons of new customers that later on through email marketing or whatever system you have, you can get them to buy again. So absolutely. So, but, but on the other hand, I do have the feeling and experience as well that if you're using Google ads, that really drives people that have an intent to buy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Versus Facebook um, drives people that might be in your target audience, but are not actively seeking for a knife or in, to stay with this example. Um, are there other ways to find the people that have the intent to buy or is there a way you, you crack the code there or is there a tip you can give to, to um, e-commerce owners or is that something that has not been solved yet? Yeah, I mean, like the biggest tip I would say is at least for something like Facebook, for example, like you probably know, there's a bunch of like interest groups or targets that you should be thinking about. And that's a great way to find uh, common buyers of the product. And and even with Facebook, Facebook wants to sort of, I think with Facebook, you sort of want to tell Facebook what your product is in your description, in your headline, because Facebook will use like their AI to sort of find people that are talking about knives or commenting on stuff like that. And I think that's kind of like the biggest hint that I think people should think about is like in your ad copy, really tell people what your product is like, Hey, this is the sharpest, sharpest knife, blah, blah, blah. Because Facebook will pick up that those keywords and find people that are sort of talking about knives or even were previously browsing knife products. And that's sort of how Facebook thinks and sort of what our Facebook rep tells us. So we've seen that really help for people where when sometimes maybe you don't know what interest to target or what lookalikes to make, um, at least if you're ad, if you're already clear in your description of the product for, to Facebook in their ad copy, you'll find more customers. And Facebook's, I tell people all the time, like Facebook wants to find you customers because really they're in the business to make money. The more, the more customers they find you, the more you're probably going to put more money into their platform and then they'll yep. make more money. Oh, that's some great advice there. So uh, even if people think that Facebook is just for branding purposes, it actually has a, an algorithm that will help you help you to match, actually find an audience that actually mm-hmm. is looking for a knife to stay yeah. with. Cool, yeah. cool. Um, uh, we, we briefly talked about um, email marketing. We, we talked about um, advertising, uh, about PR. Um, what do you think about SEO for startups? Oh, I love SEO. SEO is probably, (laughs) SEO is like my favorite thing. And I think if you're, if you're someone starting out, I think SEO is probably one of the first things that you should be doing and be thinking about. And the reason why I say that is because with a great SEO structure and a sort of SEO background in the long term, you're going to become more profitable. As you probably know, pay channels are great. They bring you customers, but as you spend more money, as you're sort of acquiring more customers, it's just going to get more expensive. And you really want to be thinking about how can customers find me, what they're looking for a solution through through SEO keywords. They're looking for a product or service that relates to your industry, or like they're looking for a tutorial that your brand can teach them. So if someone's get if someone wants to do a brand, I would say like really think about SEO and really using Google Keyword Planner to figure out what content you should be writing about or what content your product should be. Uh, sort of uh, focusing on. And then this will also give you ideas on what other stuff you can make in the sort of same space or niche. That way you can uh, make more money from the customers that are already finding you through like other channels. So yeah, I, I highly recommend SEO and people are looking to do SEO. Google Keyword Planner, hrefs.com has a really good blog as well. And any everybody should be thinking about um, how to write content that makes sense. And, and going on content is so important for SEO that 
I think it's so I made mistakes before where I've paid like, you know, I've gone on Fiverr and paid like $5 for like a thousand words. And then I, I get it back and it looks like crap. Like, oh my God, I can't even read this. I, I really think that if you really want to uh, think about SEO and putting your money into it, might as well start off with really good content. And the way I've gone to find good content is, um, is I've found blogs that I like from writers in the same space. And then I just email those blog writers saying, hey, uh, are you looking to do freelance? I'm starting a blog. I'd uh, love to know your rate and and the reason why it's, you know, they write well, so you don't need to like correct them because a lot of times, uh, at least I made the mistake where I've hired cheap writers and I get it back and, I'm, and I spend more time editing than like thinking about it. I'm like, oh, I don't want to spend, I don't want to edit. I just want to put it in the blog, right? And then go on with my day. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, are there any, um, let's say specific platforms that are, um, best for SEO and and uh, shop owners. So let's say they have to pick a platform like uh, Shopify or uh, WooCommerce or maybe Magento. <coughs> um, are there big differences when you're looking at SEO purposes when you're when you're evaluating yeah. those platforms? So if you, yeah, I, I would say there is. In my opinion, um, if you really want to focus on, I think on SEO. I say WooCommerce is the best one for that. And the reason why I say that because WooCommerce is built on WordPress. WordPress is 100% SEO optimized and you can customize almost everything to be like the perfect URL, the perfect metadata, the perfect meta tags for SEO. Where Shopify is great. Um, and of course, Shopify has a lot of great SEO features and SEO plugins, but it's not as customizable as WooCommerce or, or in that way. And that's why I love WooCommerce for SEO. But again, um, this is a trade-off for business owners need to think about. Shopify is just so easy to use that unless you're like hardcore into SEO, maybe it's not worth it. But if you're hardcore into SEO, then most people will choose WooCommerce. Um, and I think this is something that e-commerce owners will sort of like figure out or like eventually they'll be like, okay, do we make the switch to WooCommerce where you can control it a bit more and then really rank up? Or do we stay in, in Shopify because um, it's working well for us. So this is one of those things where they're both great for different purposes, but if you're 100% just focused on SEO, I, I would choose WooCommerce. Cool. Um, Kevin, you shared some great insights here for uh, for e-commerce and uh, e website owners. Um, is there like a final thing you would like to say to the listeners, specifically the e-commerce audience, and maybe you would like to give them some advice or something you've learned through the, let's say, journey that you have started um, and you would like to share with them? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing that, at least for me, that I've seen is, is if you're an e-commerce owner, really one of the first like things you should be thinking about is thinking about your content and content creation. This could be for Facebook ads, you know, YouTube for, you know, writing and really think about hiring someone that can help you make this content. A lot of business owners, maybe they're not creative in like sort of making content for, for ads or Facebook, but bringing on somebody on board to really think about scripts for you, videos for you, or producing or editing images for you is so important. I think, especially nowadays when a lot of things online is not very visual, Instagram, for example. Um, so I, I think like one of the early hires that people should be thinking about is like sort of like this sort of like image video editor type of person that has a great experience, um, especially with a business owner that potentially a lot of times I talk to business owners and say, oh, I'm not creative. Um, of course, you're creative because you're starting a business, but it's a different type of creativity, right? So I, I think having that in mind is super important. Cool. Thank you very much, Kevin. So what I'll do is uh, for the listeners um, that uh, want to reach out to you, I will put in your LinkedIn uh, link to your LinkedIn oh, profile. 
Um, as will I also uh, put in a link to uh, Voimedia, your uh, company website. Um, so uh, should people want to know more on startup marketing, on marketing for e-commerce, they really should visit you um, on the website. Um, and you also uh, run a podcast for e-commerce, right? Yeah. So I run a podcast for e-commerce founders. It's just called Digital Marketing Fastlane. Uh, we do like two episodes a week. Cool. What I'll do is I'll uh, put a link to uh, to that as well in uh, in the show notes so uh, we can share the audience. And uh, again, thank you very much, Kevin, for being on the Marketing Technology Podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Elias. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform or iTunes. Also, if you want to be a guest or know someone that should be a guest to our show, shoot me an email on e.crum at marketingguys.nl. Thank you for listening.